Please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. How many of you have ever been rushing around in the morning and spilled coffee on yourself? What happened, anybody? Coffee in your clothes. We had a child get sick or make a mess. Or had a pet run through the house with muddy feet or have an accident inside. There you go. See, these are the things that derail our plans in the morning. But there's also some things that derail our spiritual plans, our spiritual life. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is, is derailing. And so we're going to pick up in verse 7 and read through verse 15 of Galatians 5. You who are running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor is yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray that we will not be a part of the derailment that has taken place in Christianity today. That we'll not get derailed in our personal life. But that we'll walk clearly and passionately for you. And Father, we ask that you use each one of us. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning as we look at spiritual derailment, we will identify hindrances that we face. We're going to learn some discernment and we're going to become aware of our flesh. And so as we look at the hindrances, we find those in verses 7 through 10. They went from running well in our passage here to being hindered from obeying the truth. They were doing well. They were moving along. They were growing and maturing in the word of God. And then something hindered them. Something hindered that progress in their spiritual life. And as we look at spiritual progress, as we look at the spiritual decisions that we make, there's things that hinder us. There's things that keep us from doing God's will with our life. In this passage, Paul identifies it with a person. He says, who has hindered you? He identified this hindrance with a person. We know from studying and going through Galatians that the Judaizers were active. And so he was making a point that these folks that have come in and have tried to add works to grace are not keeping you on the path of grace. They're putting you back on the path of works because there is no way to mix them. 
It's not possible. It's not possible to be saved by grace and saved by works at the same time. We are saved by grace and the result is works, but the works do not save us. Only faith in Christ does that. And so we have to be careful, ladies and gentlemen, who we listen to. We have to be careful who we listen to. We have to be careful the things that we take into our mind. I had a, I had a friend, he used to say garbage in, garbage out. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Whatever you put in your mind, whatever you listen to, you start to begin to repeat or adopt. And so we have to, we'll get to discernment in a moment, but we have to be careful who we listen to. They had been taking in the things that these Judaizers were saying, and it sounded good to them. I mean, it said, there's a lot of history behind it to say this is the right way and the only way. And so they were persuaded into a position in opposition of the truth. Proverbs 14.12 says this, There's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so there's going to be people that come along and show us something that's going to make sense to us. But it's not the word of God. It's not the will of God. It may make sense to our earthly mind. But we have to say no if it doesn't line up here to God, with God's word. And so they go, he goes on and he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Now, we don't talk about leaven that much anymore. We know leaven in the Old Testament as yeast today. And when you, how many, do we have any bread makers in here? Yeah, bread used to be a big thing that people would make. We used to make uh, zucchini bread is different. That doesn't have any leaven in it. But we'll be able to try that, some banana bread and all that coming up. We're coming into the season. Um, if you need somebody as a guinea pig, I offer myself up to help you with that. So I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> but when you make dough, you put, if you have unleavened dough which is considered pure, doesn't get any yeast. But leavened dough, it gets yeast and you let it, what do you do when you add yeast to bread, when, to dough? You let it sit because it will rise and you fold it and you let it rise and, you, and it goes through the whole lump. And so he's using that illustration here in this passage when he talks about this. See, if you, let a, if you allow a little false teaching in your life, it will leaven your whole lump. If we allow just a little bit, a little bit of compromise, a little bit of thing, well, it doesn't really matter. I know this is what's true, but you know that, you know, I don't really need to check that. It's okay. And we let compromise or we let other teaching or we let things in that are not accurate to scripture, we have to be careful. Now, can we speculate in, as we study scripture? Absolutely. The Thessalonian church was considered the mature church. And we read, as we read in Thessalonians, that they sat down and they reasoned together over God's word. And there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I have no problem being wrong as long as, as, long as the truth is clear in scripture. I'll submit to it. That's because that's that is the plumb bob for me. You know what a plumb bob is? 
For those of you who don't know, it's the little weight at the end of a string that tells you whether or not you're still square when you're doing construction work. And so it will tell you whether or not you've shifted at all. And God's word will tell you whether or not you've shifted in your construction. And so we have to be careful that we don't get off a little bit is all it takes. A little bit is all it takes to get off. And so do not ever, ever compromise the truth, ever. Don't do it for acceptance. Don't do it for a job. Don't do it for anything. Because when you do, you're going to find yourself off. Because a little leaven leavens the whole world. Paul reminds them, though, that he's confident in them and the Lord, that ultimately, ultimately they will not give in to this persuasion. Which is really interesting. He gives them these warnings and he says, you know what? My confidence is in him and in you that you're not going to give in to that. John 16, 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The spirit of God guides us into truth. Do you realize whatever truth you know, you know because the Spirit of God has revealed that to you. You didn't attain that at your own intellect. You didn't attain that because you're just a smart guy or girl. You, what is to be discerned spiritually is spiritually discerned. It's a gift from God to understand it. It's a gift from God to have insight into His Word. We don't do that on our own. We're not smart enough. <laughs> To have all knowledge. And so as God begins to reveal things to us, we don't take credit for that knowledge. We thank him for that and ask him why he's granted us to know this and how he's going to use that in and through our life. And so we must keep in mind that there's a judgment if we mislead others in the gospel ministry. Because that's what he's talking about here. At the end of verse 10. When he says, when he says this. But, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. See, there's a, there's a passage of scripture that talks about don't be quick to teach because... The judgment is harder on those who teach. Because we have a responsibility to not mislead, to accurately, uh, rightly divide the word of truth. And so if you're a teacher, you bear this with a, with a great responsibility for the glory of God. To present what he said in the context in which he said it, which is timeless for today or even 10,000 years from now if the Lord tarries. Isn't that interesting how God who created it all can be relevant at all times. But that's our job. And so these guys here who had misled them were going to face uh, their judgment for doing that. We have to be very careful that we only teach the truth. When we speak, we speak the truth. When we say God's word says this, says this, Say, and if you're not, if you're still studying something, I'm still studying, but this is what I think. This is what I'm seeing. There's some reasons I lean to that, but I'm not there yet. Be honest about your study. And seek together. We're in this together, ladies and gentlemen. I learn stuff from you all the time. 
all the time. And I think that's awesome. I love learning things and seeing a new perspective and seeing things. Don said something this morning that I hadn't even considered before. And so I need to go back and take a look at a couple things. And I always appreciate that. Don always challenges me. And so we, uh, it's a good thing. We're in this together. Iron sharpens iron. So it's a, it's a delight. So be careful, guys, that we don't fall, fall into these hindrances, being hindered from obeying the truth by other people, by accepting in these false teachings, and uh, getting <laughs> or even misleading others ourselves. And so we move from hindrances, identifying these hindrances that keep us from staying on track, to discernment. Now, discernment is important. Discernment comes by listening to the Holy Spirit. But have you ever had somebody say something and you couldn't put your finger on it, but you knew something wasn't right? You ever been there? It's just something's not right here. There's I can't I can't quantify it. I can't necessarily figure it out or put my finger on it, but I know something's not right. That's the spirit of God that knows more than you telling you watch out. Okay? He gives us some tangible things in verses 11 and 12. And I want you to stay with me uh, because he gives us three things that we can use for discernment in here. It doesn't naturally jump out at you, but as you read through and you understand why he's asking the questions he's asking, I think it'll become more clear. Paul says, if I preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? What does that have to do with discernment? I'm glad you asked. Paul was not preaching this false teaching. He's saying in this comment that if I'm preaching the same thing as them, why are they persecuting me? Right? And so what we have to do, what is our discernment there? We're hearing a difference in message. He was preaching Christ crucified. They were preaching, yes, Christ plus the law. And he said, if I'm preaching the same things as them, why am I still persecuted? So we have to discern if the teaching matches what we've been taught or what we know to be true. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, look and see if it matches. When somebody comes in, what you know God's word says, if it doesn't match, you must say no. Well, oops. well, but I don't know God's word that well. I don't know everything about God's word. Fantastic. Because when you have those moments where something doesn't seem right or somebody's teaching you, go study it. Find out. And you're going to start to expose yourself to the word of God. Take everything you're taught and check it. I'm telling you, I challenge you to do that. Don't just believe something because I tell you. Check it. If it ain't in the book, then I'm wrong and the book is right. We got to check with the Lord on all that we do. Don't just swallow a pill and say, oh, I'm good now. Could be the wrong pill. Could be a mistake. We're in this together, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. 
We're in this together. We need each other. We need each other to seek together. We push each other deeper into the Word because of joy and the ability to share and study. Asking questions and working together. And so, if something doesn't seem to match, that's part of the sermon. Two, he says, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. And it's really a commentary on that first part. But the truth is, is the stumbling block of the cross has not been abolished. It's kind of a rhetorical comment. Because the discernment is, does it match or violate Scripture? It's the same thing. Because Jesus is a stumbling block. Most people, there are religions all over this world that have adopted the principles of Christianity. About how good you should be. Treat, ask them all, should you treat others as you, as you would treat yourself? They'll all say yes. Well, most of them. If you ask them about the golden rule, they'll all ascribe to that. Where the dividing line comes is when Jesus Christ's name is brought up. Is your salvation and faith in Christ alone? Man, so well. And then they'll start doing all this, this song and dance. Or they'll say, oh yeah, it is. But then they'll redefine the words. That's the big one today. There's a major denomination. And if I were to call it, you would all have had either family or friends or somebody that knows it. That would say, there's, yeah, salvation is faith in Christ alone. But you don't get saved by that. His salvation is in him. But you build up your credits through all these other things. So that he can save you. And so it's works. It's just another version of the same old. It's old bad theology, folks. It swallows the same. It still cuts as it goes down. And so be careful. Third issue of discernment. He says, I wish those troubling you would mutilate themselves. Boy, that's a pretty tough statement, right? So do you think that Paul wants evil for them? That's a strong comment, isn't it? Well, I wish they would go mutilate themselves. That's not what's going on in context. What he's talking about here is circumcision. Those who are preaching circumcision to you are not even circumcised. What they're saying, they ain't living. The discernment here is watch out for hypocrisy. I wish they, if they really believed it, that they'd go do it. He's not wishing evil on people. I've heard that preached before too. I'm like, are you kidding? Listen. You live what you believe. That's a true statement. If we believe without a doubt, without a shred of concern that God will deliver us, we live that way. But a lot of times we're on the well-but boat. 
Well, it says that, but... Or, well, when this happened, God didn't deliver me. And that didn't go the way I should. Or, you know, when I prayed, God didn't answer my prayer. You ever been there? I've been there. I've been in the well, but sometimes I've driven it. It's a bad place to be, and it's wrong. God will do everything He says He'll do. God will do everything He says He will do. The problem is, we don't always know what His plan is, and when we pray, and we pray for this, and God is trying to get that out of our life so He can give us this, we think God's abandoned us when He's been trying to give us something better. You know, I'm going to share a story that my brother Luis shared. There was some uh, carload of kids. They were going down to uh, Fiesta, Texas. And I remember this story, Luis. And on the way to Fiesta, Texas, the kids kept going by McDonald's and they saw the playgrounds in McDonald's and they started throwing fits because they wanted to stop. And the guy driving kept saying, no, no, we're not stopping, we're not stopping. Because he had something better for them, but they didn't know it. That's us. We go along the way, we're like, yeah, I want McDonald's. Oh, listen, there's something better than McDonald's. Amen? I'm sure I would be getting an email from McDonald's this week. Free food. <laughs> Luis. Free food. And so, folks, we have to watch out for hypocrisy. God has something better for us than we can plan for ourselves. We have to learn how to evaluate spiritually what comes our way. We can't just accept it. We can't just accept it. Just because we think we saw something or heard something or or something happened in our life, doesn't mean it was God. Satan is the father of all what? Lies. And he will lie to you, he will lie to you, he will lie to you. And he'll do it spiritually to keep us from being as potent and in position as God wants us. But if we're going to avoid derailment, we also need to be aware of the flesh. Verses 13 through 15. He reminds us of another passage that we covered two weeks ago. We are called to freedom. But he goes beyond that here. He says we're called to freedom so we can, through love, serve one another. Our freedom has a purpose in it. Our freedom comes with the opportunity to serve and love other people. That gives to you too. You ever heard the phrase, it's better to give than receive? You learn that as you get older, don't you? When you're young and a kid, you kind of think, I don't understand that. I like to get. Right? But the joy and the blessing of serving and helping others and being there for them and loving it, that there's payment that can't be measured. 
You know, it's so funny. We've talked in the past about one of, <laughs> one of the things when tithing has come up. We've talked about, you know, people that pray say, you know, Lord, if you give me a million dollars, I'll tithe on it. What a ripoff that is for God. He's going to give you a million dollars so you can get a hundred thousand back. You ever think, I mean, why don't you, this is what, and you know what? I, I challenge you to pray it and I'm going to, I'll confess here's my accountability. Why don't we pray for a million dollars so we can give a million dollars away? For the glory of God. When I challenged you to that, I was convicted to the Lord. I prayed it. He hasn't given it to me yet. My recipient list just grew. <laughs> Why don't we all pray? Let's give it all away. I told Terry, I said, our goal is to die broke. Because I've used every single opportunity that may happen anyway. I may have used every opportunity to glorify the Lord with every dime I have, with every with everything I've got when I leave this world. The way things are going today, I mean, I'm, maybe it's just the age that I'm at, but friends and family and people are passing away around me. Just out of the blue. It happens. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. We are called through freedom so we can so we can love and serve one another. Well, when we understand freedom, our flesh will try to take an opportunity to lead us to sin by appealing to our natural desires and our identity to lead you to lead you into bad behavior. It will do that. Well, Jesus died on the cross for all my sins. So what's one more? It's already covered. I should be able to do it. God will cover it. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever said that before you sinned intentionally. I don't know about you, but I've sinned intentionally before. I knew it was sin. I did it anyway. Probably none of y'all have done that, but I've done it. And I said, well, Jesus covered it. That's exactly what he's addressing right here. I'm not proud of that, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to stand up here like I'm holier than thou. I'm not holier than thou. Jesus is in all of us, so we're the same in holiness. Because our holiness comes from him, not based on what we do. It's application. It's receiving that. And that's what... <laughs> being aware of the flesh is because the flesh wants to fight for it. Because we have natural desires to eat. We have natural desires for sex. We have natural desires to be have value. And all of those things will be used to mislead us from what God's calling us to. But if we follow God's word, they're all fulfilled in a godly way in his word. And so we have to be careful. He, he, he said, realize that your flesh will attempt to devour and bite others instead of loving them. That's how you know your flesh is going on over the Spirit of God. Is your comments meant 
to love and encourage or to bite and devour? Are you making a point to somebody because of their behavior? Are you going to say it? Are you going to say it with snark? And oh, it's okay if I cover it that way? It's not okay, it's ungodly. It's ungodly. God didn't call us to that. God called for me to take shots at you, masked in humor. God didn't call me to that. He didn't call you to that either. He didn't call for you to make points by masking it the way you say it. If you got something to say to somebody, go talk to them and do it. Number one, check your own life. Matthew 7. And if you haven't checked your own life, don't go. Once you've checked your own life, you know what I found to be true? The problems I have, and so when I meet somebody with the same problem, I usually hate it about them. You ever notice that? The little problems that you kind of know you have, but you're, it's there. They're small because they're yours. And then you meet somebody with that same problem. You're like, oh, I can't stand that about them. I know, because I live with it. That's where Matthew 7 is all about. And when I do the hard work of getting it out of my own life and surrendering it to the Lord, I know the work they'll have to do. I'm not going to come to them to judge them. I'm going to come to them broken hearted because I know what they're going to have to go through to be free of them. Let me, let me mention something else here. I think this is significant. It took me a long time to learn this. And God used Stephen in my life for this. So I thank God for Stephen. And Stephen's like, let me hear it first before I take credit. <laughs> you have to see the person behind the behavior. You have to see the person behind the behavior. We always want to react to whatever's coming at us, right? I had an old pastor... I had a, a former pastor that they had a really good dog. And this dog had never bit anybody. And then one day it turned around and bit him. The circumstance, should he have spanked the dog? Should he have gotten on the dog? You don't have enough information yet. They found the dog laying in the street. It had been hit by a car. And it had a broken hip. He couldn't let the dog stay in the street. He went and scooped it up and turned around and bit him because it was in pain. And so when you see something different or even the same from somebody, you need to find out why. You need to find out what's going on there before you respond. Have you ever had somebody say something to you that was so out of line because they don't really know why, what was going on with you and that caused your behavior and you got offended at them because of that? It's really easy to do. We pop off all the time because we don't like what comes. Instead of saying, hey, why is that happening? What is causing them? Why are they acting that way? And what's driving that? And when you understand that, isn't it going to be easier to have that conversation then? I don't always do that. 
I'm working on that. I think that's what this weekend was about. <laughs> Those of you who want to know about that, I'll tell you. But it, you need to carve out like 10 minutes. <laughs> the story. And so it's, it's just, we have to be careful, ladies and gentlemen. We are called to love. So use your freedom in Christ to serve others, not destroy them. Or not back off that bad behavior. Maybe that bad behavior is a cry for help. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe there's something broken in their life, and that's why they're doing it. So if we're going to stay on track, we must avoid false teaching. Most false teaching that I've seen will appeal to how great you are and not how great God is in you. It's pitched out there today all over. It's preached out there. There's books written on it about the greatness of you. How to be the best you. You know the best me is when Mark has surrendered all to Jesus Christ. That's the best me when it's him and not me. When it's him empowering me to do what he's called me to do. Don't be led astray by flattery. Boy, they'll tell you how wonderful and oh, how amazing and oh, how this and oh, how this. You need to check their stance on Scripture and their relationship with Christ. And then you need to check what they say by how they live. It's real easy to be led by flattery. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. We must know God's Word and not compromise it for anything. There is nothing in this world where... I'm going to tell you, Emma, this is the honest truth. I stood in downtown Austin, what are we, 15 years ago, and I had somebody offer me $300,000 to join their group. It was a Baptist group. And they said, you don't have to pay it back, you have to pay it forward. It's pretty appealing. But their stance on scripture was it was not inerrant. And I said, thank you, but no thank you. I said, God will provide another way to get. Do not compromise God's word for anything. I knew that was a defining moment for me. You ever been in those situations where you know this is going to define? Let me say this. There's been moments like that in my life that I haven't made the right choice also. <clears throat> this time I did. And all I'm saying is, if my money doesn't tempt me at all, I could care less about it. I care about people. But the fearful thing is, what if something else would come that does tempt me more? Hopefully I'd make the same choice. So avoid false teaching, ladies and gentlemen. Two, engage your mind and the Holy Spirit when, when evaluating spiritual instruction. Do not accept anything on face value. 
Remember, accepting something small can completely derail all of your theology. There's a book of Judas out there. Have y'all heard of this book? Book of Judas is written in the first century. They said it was by Judas, but surprisingly, Judas died really <laughs> early in the story. If we believe God's word, and the book of Judas basically says that Judas was the only one who really understood Jesus's purpose. That's why he was the one that had to kiss him, because none of the other ones understood it. Made him the hero. The book is false. Let me be clear. It was rejected by the early church. They knew about it. But what if somebody just accepted that one fact? Would that change how we see scripture and understand it? Absolutely. Be careful what you let in. We have to be careful. So engage your mind in the Holy Spirit. As it can derail all of your theology. Three, be led by God and not your flesh. Listen, our flesh will lead us to every sin out there, but it will not be presented that way. You're not going to see a sign that says, come, sin with me. This way. When you're presented, uh, uh, things are sold on TV. They show you the party. They show you the fun. They show you, you can have it your way. They show you all this stuff, but they don't show you the effects of the things that trap people. You can have it your way. We all know who that is. But they don't show you the effects of obesity. And I'm not I'm not saying if you go eat one hamburger you're going to become obese. It takes a lot of hamburgers. <laughs> That's like anything else. It comes across and it appeals to a normal human desire, but it's used in a wrong way. You know, one of the things that I've heard and I have said, and I'm, that, that's fun, I'm being convicted at the moment. Have you ever used the phrase comfort food? Is that why we're supposed to eat, ladies and gentlemen? But it makes me feel better. Is food meant to do that? Isn't it meant just to be fuel for the body? So if you have an emotional problem, don't turn to food. Turn to the Lord. We've replaced the Lord in those small things with a cinnamon roll. Or put your food here. Fill in the blank. America says. And so be careful. Don't be led by your flesh. It will... (laughs) What it will be presented as, as fulfilling something good and necessary, it's only once. And even linked to identity. Well, all the cool people are doing this, or all the, all the other teachers, or all the other employees are doing this. They used to, I used to work somewhere where they'd all go out to happy hour. They'd all go partying, they'd all get smashed. I never win. Because I wasn't called to that. I wasn't called to being smashed 
drunk on the floor. And they thought it was fun. We must be able to look at a situation and see where it leads, godliness or sin. Remember, even a small deviation can end in destruction. You know, I was watching, um, I was watching this show once, and they were talking about a, a, a bayou in Louisiana that led up to a river. And there was a barge operator, it was a foggy night, and this barge operator was driving. He couldn't see, he thought he was on the river. And he couldn't see at all, couldn't even see the end of the barge. And he was sailing up. They didn't, this is before they had radar, before they had good maps. He didn't have any maps on board. It was basically just kind of what he thought and about how he felt where he was. Well, all of a sudden he ran into something firm and it stopped him dead. And he, he thought he had hit another barge. Well, it turned out what he had hit was the train bridge going across. Now, the good news is, this is a good news, bad news story. <laughs> the good news is, it didn't collapse the bridge. What it did is it bent the, the rails off. It made them, they did an S like this. It shifted the rails. And there was a sensor there. There was a sensor. They had sensors on the tracks to see if there was a break in the tracks that would alert the train and would stop the train. It was a normal part of uh, living and using these using these uh, using the tracks. Well, the train was coming that night, and because it had only shifted it and not broken the rails, there was no signal. So when the train hit the deviation, it derailed and drove down into the water. And there were several passenger cars where people died. A lot of people died that night. It wasn't broken. It was only shifted a little. And it cost people's lives. Listen, folks. We are going to be derailed if we don't keep our theology pure. We don't watch out for our flesh. And we don't go the way we should. And, the re and people are going to die because of it. Because there's people out there that need to know grace. They need to know the truth. They need somebody who's honest and willing to look at themselves. Because that's not, that's not out there anymore. The truth doesn't matter in society today. It matters who's in power and we're going to win at any cost. Look at it. We prayed about some of that this morning. Let me tell you, winning at any cost is not winning. Winning at any cost is stealing. We're supposed to do the right thing. Don't let your theology shift at all. Unless it shifts because of the word of God. Let that be the, let that be the plumb bob. I'm sharing this with you because there's a lot of stuff out there. And grace demands that we don't fall back into legalism. The truth cannot be compromised. And you think a lot of times when you talk about not compromising the truth, that's illegalism. Listen, legalism, you know what legalism is? I've heard that a lot. This is the bonus time. Legalism is things we have to do to be saved. 
Things we have, doing certain things to be accepted by God. That's what legalism is. Legalism is not saying God's word says that you shouldn't murder somebody. Well, that's legalism. I can do whatever I want. I'm free. You can. Then you're going to find out what legalism really is. There's still things that God instructs us to do and not do. As an outflow of the joy of our salvation and grace and Christ within us. Not because we have to do them for acceptance. We get to do them because we've been accepted. And so let's not fall back into this old. Unfulfilling legalism. Don't let that stuff come in. Don't let the shift happen. Check your theology. And the truth is, okay, let's just put it down. Here it comes. The truth is, we all have some bad theology, including me. I pray to God He shows me before I ever share it. Nobody's got pure theology, except the Holy Spirit is teaching us all. We're learning and seeing things and understanding things. That's why we need each other. That's why we're called to love and not bite and devour. That's why we're called to lift up and help those. I'll never forget, some of y'all remember Brandon, what he said. He said, if Mark had 500 sins and Terry said only 500, he said, if Mark had 500 sins and he was down in a hole, my job is to get in that hole with him and walk out so he only has 499 now. That's the way we should see people. Not that crazy guy. He's just like that. Why are they like that? And then we all start gossiping about him. That's unacceptable. You better never do that here. Because if I hear about it, I'll deal with it. We need to be broken and loving and drawing closer to one another. Not biting and devouring one another. We do not tolerate that. I'd rather be smaller and pure than bigger in a mess. Amen? Amen. I'm going to say everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.